Hey guys, it's Rohan and welcome to episode one of my podcast, Talk Mental to Me. Um, you know, it's funny, I was trying to figure out how to start this, you know, what kind of intro should I do? You know, should I go with the classic announcer voice like, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode one of the podcast, I'm Rohan. Or, you know, I could go with the classic DJ voice like, hey guys, this is DJ Rowe. We're bringing you smooth jams from the 80s, 90s, and today. Stick with us. We're going all night long. But no, I decided to go with the normal intro. So, hey, how you guys doing? Um, episode one. And this is something that I've been, you know, trying to put together for a while now and plan for a while now. So it's really cool to see it all come together. And um, I'm super excited to begin this trek with all of you. You know, for a long time now, I've known that I've wanted to contribute something in the area of mental health awareness. I've thought about writing a book, which I still do hope to do one day um, later on down the road. But for right now, while I'm still still in the middle of this journey, I wanted to do this podcast as a way to help people. So maybe you're out there struggling right now. Maybe you have struggled in the past, or maybe you have someone close to you who's struggling. Either way, um, I hope by doing this, by sharing my experiences, the things that I've dealt with and continue to deal with, hopefully by sharing, I can help others who are out there in a similar situation. Um, now, obviously, I'm not perfect, far from it. I'm not a mental health professional and I don't have all the answers. And I mean, even mental health professionals sometimes don't have all the answers. But one thing that I have learned over the years is that talking about it helps a lot. So by sharing some of what I've learned, um, hopefully you'll be able to take away something that will be helpful to you. So what is mental health exactly, right? I mean, I feel like most of us have an idea of what mental health is. You know, it's our, basically our psychological well-being. And sometimes I feel like we don't realize uh, just how much mental health affects everything that we do or, you know, to what extent um, it affects us. And yet there's still such, you know, a taboo or a stigma in society um, attached to mental health. You know, like I feel like in recent years it has gotten better, especially in this country. But I feel like mental health is, is something that, you know, a lot of us are still so um, hesitant or afraid to talk about. And that's something that, you know, I want to change. And so my hope is that by doing this, by bringing it to the forefront and, and talking about it, talking about the things that, you know, sometimes we shy away from, you know, hopefully that will encourage more and more people to talk about it because I think it is something that needs to be talked about uh, more often. Um, and, you know, first episode, we're, we're kind of jumping in head first here and I'm going to be sharing some of my experiences. Uh, so I'm, it's not like I'm sitting here and, you know, sort of asking you guys to make yourselves vulnerable and asking you guys to share without uh, me sharing myself. So I'm definitely going to share a lot about myself. Um, you know, I think vulnerability is a whole, is a big part of this, this whole process. And so, you know, I'm going to start off by being vulnerable. So we are jumping in head first into depression. And I wanted to talk about depression because it's, you know, it's been the most relevant to me. It's been the, the thing that's probably affected me the most over the years and, you know, that might be news to some people, you know, to others that know me a little bit better. Um, it's probably not news. So what I wanted to do first is talk a bit about my experience with depression and, 
you know, use that to sort of illustrate some of the warning signs and symptoms of depression. Uh, now, I want you guys to keep in mind that depression looks very different from person to person. Uh, no two people will have the exact same signs or symptoms, and um, it's definitely important to remember that. Okay, so here we go, a deep dive into young Rohan, starting with my grade school days. So one thing about me, you know, growing up is that I was always super competitive. And that sort of permeated through throughout everything that I that I did. I wanted to win everything, you know, whether it was a spelling bee, geography bee, um, whatever competition I entered, which growing up, you know, I was involved in a lot of competitions and I wanted to win. That was just something that drove me. Same with school. You know, I wanted to have the best grades. I wanted to be in the top of the class. And that was my motivation. You know, I'm not really sure uh, where that came from because it's not like my parents pressured me to do any of this or to feel this way. Um, this is just something that I, you know, had put on myself. So perfect example of this. Um, my family moved here to Maryland uh, from the Virgin Islands when I was 12. Um, I was pretty close to turning 13. So I entered eighth grade, and not many people know this story, but I think this happened at the back-to-school night because my mom was there meeting all the teachers. And my mom, uh, she was talking to my ELA teacher, and I remember asking her if there's a prize or recognition um, for, you know, valedictorian or for finishing at the top of the class. And... I can't remember what my teacher's exact reaction was, but I remember, I mean, <laughs> honestly, she probably made um, or gave me like a look or something. I don't know. But anyway, I remember her answer being along the lines of possibly, but I'm not sure if there's, you know, a prize or anything for valedictorian. Um, but either way, I'd already made my mind up that I was going to work my ass off just in case. You know, like I... I wanted to make sure that, you know, if there was a prize, I wanted to be the one getting it, you know. So you can see that at a very young age, I had this obsession with being the best. And like I said, it wasn't just limited to school. It didn't matter what the sport was or what the activity was, whether it was like darts or bowling or, you know, whatever random game we're playing, I wanted to kick your ass, you know. And <laughs> thankfully, I've since learned how to channel that. I'm not nearly as bad as I used to be. Um, but you know, that's just, that's just how I was, you know, for, a, for a very long time, I was just uber competitive and that's sort of something that stuck with me. And it's something that, um, you know, it sort of comes up later. So pay attention to that. So on to high school and I always tell people that I loved high school, shout out Polly and you know, it was such an amazing time, and it was. You know, I truly enjoyed my high school experience. But looking back, I wonder if even then there were signs that I missed that could have been picked up by a trained professional. You know, I, I really don't know. I can't think of any obvious ones, but I digress. Um, high school was amazing. You know, I made lifelong friends, uh, two of my closest friends, you know, are ones that I made in high school. And when I got there, um, I was still paying attention to my standing. You know, I still had that drive to be 
the best and to perform, right? And, you know, one thing about Polly is that there were some brilliant kids that I went to school with there. And so, you know, those first few weeks um, were, they were interesting. And actually, I'm just remembering this now. So there was this program, right, at Poly called the Ingenuity Project. Um, and, you know, I say was, but it's probably still there. Anyway, so Ingenuity Project basically was their version of Gifted and Talented. So it was sort of like advanced math and science courses. So basically, you, you, you were in that program, you're taking all AP courses from like 10th grade on. So Poly had three different levels. So there was the Ingenuity Project, which is at the, um, I guess, the top level. And then you had a course, which, um, you know, I think you still take some advanced courses, but it's not as uh, rigorous. And then you had B course. So B course, A course, Ingenuity Project. And I think altogether there were about, um, I don't know, 300 kids. Because I think when we graduated from, from high school, there were about 300 kids in our class. And I remember that when I entered Poly, um, I wasn't in the program, you know, and a lot of that had to do with me um, only having been in the States for a year. And I'm not really sure when I heard about the program, but by the time I'd heard about it in eighth grade, it was sort of too late to apply. Um, anyway, point is, I wasn't in the program um, when I got into high school. And again, you know, this is me. So I wanted to be in the program. And I can't remember um, how we went about it, but I, you know, had my parents talk to the um, program director or coordinator person. Um, and eventually, after some, some talks, um, we, we made it so that I'd be able to enter. Now, there were a few conditions to this. Um, since it was already, I don't know, about a month or two into the school year at this point, I had to be caught up. So for the um, advanced uh, biology class that they were taking, um, you know, they had someone tutor me to sort of bring me up to speed on that. And then I didn't have the, the math requirements that I had needed. Um, so I ended up having to take a summer geometry class. I believe it was the summer after my freshman year of high school, I had to take that, that geometry class. And all of that was to get caught up to the... Um, to the rest of the kids in the program. Uh, because like I said, having not been there, um, you know, but a year, I was sort of behind on a few things. And, you know, anyway, basically I worked my way into the program and it was rough getting acclimated at first academically uh, because, you know, these kids, like I said, were brilliant and they were ahead of me. And so, you know, we, we would uh, take exams um, my grades weren't as, as high as I wanted them to be. Um, and when I say that, I mean, like I was getting 93 instead of like 99, you know, that, that was kind of like, like I said, it's just how I was back then. And so seeing kids outperform me in class and, you know, getting better grades and knowing the answers to questions that I had no idea about, um, you know, it was a little, uh, different. I wasn't used to that, you know, but, I sort of accepted the circumstances, you know, I realized that, hey, like I, you know, don't have the background that these kids do. And so I can't expect myself to sort of come in and be, you know, top dog, so to speak. So I sort of 
was easy on myself in that that regard, but I still um, had this desire to, you know, perform. Now, eventually, I'd end up graduating. I think it was um, either ninth or eighth. I don't know. I know it was like top ten in the class when I graduated. And while it wasn't what I wanted, um, I of course wanted to be valedictorian again. But I remember being okay with that. You know, it was still it was still good. Um, and so I was happy with the way that I I had done in high school. Um, but at the end of the day, I just remember high school being a really um, cool time, like socially for me, you know. Um, growing up in the Virgin Islands, we sort of had a uh, built-in social circle in that. Um, so I went to a seven-day event to school, right? And I'll explain what that is in another episode, um, what seven-day Adventism is in another episode. But for right now, all you need to know is that I went to a seven-day event to school, and that school was where Basically, if you were a Seventh-day Adventist on the island, the vast majority of them uh, sent their kids to that school. And so we were all sort of connected because even if we didn't go to the same church, we still all went to the same school, all the kids did anyway. And the ones that did go to the same church, not only did you see your friends at school, but you also saw them on Saturday at church. And so... Like I said, it's a built-in social circle where we all sort of hung out together. Um, and there were, you know, a few people that I was cool with there. And, you know, of course, when I moved, that all sort of got cut off. But going off on another tangent here, one of the cool things about, um, you know, being on social media now is that I've been able to reconnect with some of the people that I lost touch with when I, when I left. But anyway, like I said, it was sort of a built-in social circle. A lot of us hung out together. I was cool with a few people. In terms of um, close, close friends, I would say maybe only like two or three um, close friends that I had when I was there. But I wouldn't say that it was super easy for me to make friends uh, when I was growing up. And that sort of changed when I got to the States. You know, I I, um, started making friends a lot easier. I remember in high school, um, it was this, this time where I was being invited to parties and I was on the swim team. So, you know, being in those social circles, um, that was pretty cool to have like a, a group of friends that I, I became close with. And so, and teachers also that I, that I really admired, um, and that were good, solid teachers. And so it was just a really, um, you know, it was really a cool time in my life. And that's something that I always look back on, uh, fondly. Um, and that was high school and then came college. And that was a whole different can of worms. So college is where things started to shift a bit. And I'm sure a lot of you already know that adolescence is typically when a lot of uh, mental health issues start to sort of manifest themselves. Now, according to psychiatry.com, 50% of mental illnesses begin by age 14 and 75% by age 24. Now, I said before that I wonder if a mental health professional would have been able to pick out you know, some of the signs that I was uh, displaying in high school. But honestly, I don't think I displayed any of the common warning signs, and we'll get back to those in a bit, but back to college. So you guys ever seen or heard of that show, A Different World? One of my all-time favorite shows, by the way, but that's exactly what college was for me, A Different World. Now, this might be a bombshell for some of you that went to college with me, but maybe weren't as close with me, but college, 
those four years were, um, I would say, the worst four years of my life. I suffered a lot during that time for a lot of reasons, but two in particular. Uh, one of them I won't share because that one is deeply personal, and I'm not ready to share that just yet. But the other reason uh, harkens back to that desire to be the best. Now, like I said in high school, I had been satisfied with my academic standing. I graduated thinking I was this hotshot whiz kid or whatever. And then college sort of brought me back to reality, or it brought me to reality, I should say, because I had never, um, you know, really experienced that. Uh, but being at a top 10 university, I was surrounded by kids who, again, were brilliant, except now there were more of them. And I went from being top 10 in high school to barely middle of the pack in college. And honestly, that might be, you know, being generous, actually. So it was definitely a shock to the system, to say the least. It was a shock to the system because within the first couple of months, I realized that I wasn't getting anywhere near the grades that, that I got in high school. Now, granted, the majority of classes I was taking, uh, those exams were curved, but I still wasn't even getting close to the average a lot of times. And that's when I realized, okay, I really need to get my shit together and work even harder than I did in high school. Uh, you know, that's when I got introduced to the all-nighter, right? I never had to stay up an entire night studying or working on assignments before, so that was new to me. And I was making an effort until that second trigger hit. And after that, that's when things really started to take a turn. After that, the first thing I noticed was that my sleep habits changed. I had always, um, you know, not been a great sleeper, but I had way more trouble falling asleep now. And then I lost my motivation to do anything, really. All I wanted to do was stay in bed. I started to skip class, and my grades plummeted. And when I did go to class, I had a lot of trouble focusing which had never been the case before. I had a lot of social anxiety, which again, I didn't really have in high school. I was sort of reserved in high school, but I was never nervous or anxious in social situations. And now I was all of a sudden. Also, I began to feel this, um, this disconnect, this increased self-awareness to the point that I felt detached from the rest of society. And it's really hard to explain that to someone who hasn't experienced it, but I sometimes felt like I was not a participant in society. I felt like I was sort of standing on the sidelines, watching life happen, instead of actually taking part and engaging in life. And, you know, maybe that's something that we can explore in a future episode. But anyway, all of that was freshman year. Sophomore year is sort of, is sort of hazy to me. I feel like I tried to bounce back, I feel like that year wasn't as bad, but then junior year, the problems intensified and I really went into a downward spiral. Now, remember earlier I said to pay attention to the fact that I was really competitive and always wanted to be at the top. This is where that comes back into play. You see, it's easy to be driven by your accomplishments and achievements when you're at the top, but when you stop getting the results that you've been used to getting, that's when things can get ugly and things got ugly because I had attached my sense of self-worth to my accomplishments. When I stopped achieving in the way that I wanted, I became my own worst enemy. My self-talk was awful. I told myself things that no one would ever or, you know, should ever tell another person. And it wasn't just limited to academics. 
outside of calling myself stupid and idiotic, I began telling myself I was ugly and unattractive and my self-esteem and confidence just went down the drain. And that spiral just sort of continued until I got to a point where I found myself wishing that I no longer existed. Now, I remember two distinct moments, both during my junior year, which, like I said, was when things really spiraled out of control. The first one, the first moment that I remember um, that stood out to me, I was laying in bed one morning when I should have been in class. And I remember the thought coming to me that maybe things would be easier if I weren't around anymore. If I just went away and never came back, I wouldn't have to deal with all of this. Like, how awesome would it be if I could just snap my fingers and not exist? The second moment that I remember was on a trip down to Florida with my dad. I remember thinking, you know, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world if this plane went down and just killed me. Then I wouldn't have to deal with the pain anymore. And right after I had that thought, I caught myself and I was like, dude, that's so fucked up. Like, what the hell? First of all, your dad is right next to you. So he'd be dead too. Not to mention all the other people on this plane. And that's when I knew that I needed to talk to someone about this. Up to that point, I hadn't mentioned these thoughts to anyone. No one at all. My best friend knew I was dealing with these thoughts, but not to this extent. I didn't tell him, you know, all those details. Like, he knew I was dealing with some stuff, but definitely not to that extent. Traveling with my dad was one of my favorite things to do as a kid, and when it would just be the two of us going on trips, you know, those were some of my favorite times. And here I was in a situation that gave me so much joy as a child, and we, haven't we hadn't traveled together, just the two of us, in a while. And so I should have been ecstatic. Instead, here I was wishing for death. And that's when I knew that I needed help. That's when I decided to, to see a therapist at the school's health and wellness center. And I told her all about what had been going on with me. And then she says to me, what you have been dealing with is clinical depression. Now, if you've been following along and you already know the warning signs of depression, then you'll probably recognize them from my description of freshman year of college. Changes to your sleep habits, mood changes, withdrawal, trouble focusing, feeling disconnected, loss of motivation, feeling anxious, negative self-talk, and suicidal thoughts. All of these are classic signs of depression. Now, before we leave, I do want to say that it's not all doom and gloom. The story does get better. And if you're going through something similar, I want to say to you that it does get better. As cliche as I know that is, it's the truth. Over time, I'll share with you how I was able to turn things around and battle back. And going forward, we're going to keep talking about mental health. That's, you know, that's always going to be at the forefront. But I do have a wide range of interests. and I also want to explore those on the show um, things such as sports, religion, uh, current events, and relationships. We'll get into all of those things and more, and I'm really excited to share that with you. In episode two, 
I want to talk more about the signs of depression and what you can do if you or someone you know is experiencing these things. I hope you'll join me. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time.